Welcome, everyone, to the sensational Season 4 premiere of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. I'm glad to finally. Hello. I'm glad to finally. Hello. I'm glad to finally. Pete, is everything okay there? You sound a little, uh, you sound a little robotic. Oh, uh, sorry, Matt. Um, I'm, I'm just glad to finally be reunited with you here for uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 401, The Ghost, brought to you by Backgammon. Two players, two sides, one is light, one is dark. When you're stuck on a multi-time zone ride on the Zephyr 1, it's a better game than checkers. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser here, Matt, the cinematography, the photography right from the start here, this this shot that then flips upside down as the SUV speeds towards the camera and then away, kind of foreshadowing something that's about to happen in this teaser act, uh, is cut simultaneously with... Uh, a scantily clad body suiting up and instantly, Matt, we can tell we are in the 10 o'clock hour. This is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after dark. Indeed, Pete, the shots might go upside down, but we also get front side and dare say some backside. Pete, was that a buttock? A naked back? Oh boy, it's broadcast TV at the 10 o'clock hour. So there are guys in the back of this pickup truck. They're talking about shooting anything that moves and suddenly oh there's daisy giving a guy a headbutt who says uh you got me but he'll kill us all and suddenly a car rolls up yes that car you've seen a million times in the promos here later described as a 1969 black charger which gets rpg'd by one of our dudes that uh daisy was after but what would you know matt it flips, then lands and crashes into this SUV in uh, Mark Kolpak, who we're going to lavish praise on today. Uh, just one of his wonderful effects, but something that denied or uh, defied, I should say, rather, any description of physics as anyone's ever uh, understood them. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., episode 401, Mark Kolpak and company back making the impossible seem possible on TV. Movie quality effects yet again, both in this opening scene of car flipping and then later on when we get more of the ghost. But uh, once this SUV gets crashed into by the Charger, there are flames. We see a California plate, so we get some idea of where we are. And... uh, Daisy watches him leave. There are sirens, and then she does her quake thing where she flies off into our title card. Which, by the way, every I was gonna say every time she's done it, she's done it twice. We've seen it, uh, you know, uh, seen it in the uh, the season finale, and then, then this episode. I can't help but hear the music cue from the Matrix, where Neo does a similar move, and it's like no, 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 no. And uh, all all good homage, of course. And uh, Pete, this just isn't any title card. This is a fiery title card. That's what my notes say. Fiery title card. 
fire card. Act one here aboard the Zephyr one, we have Colson and Mac. Um, one of whom asks, you want a beer? And Colson points out it's 6 a.m. Who are you, Hemingway? This is a different relationship than uh, we've seen at least recently. And uh, it comes across as they're playing uh, backgammon here. They've been in three time zones in three days. Um, obviously, they're, they're strung out. They're hungry. Uh, Colson quips that if Munchies were a superpower, they'd have to sign the Sokovia Accords. <laughs> this is clearly catch-up dialogue. We're, we're closing the gap from the the snippet that we received from that that flash forward six months later to to kind of filling in the blanks here. And that's okay. Not every single scene needs to be wildly advancing the plot or deeply looking into the souls of characters. The particulars here are what needs to be established in an episode that we knew would be somehow rebooting the show, but an episode that needs to tell you just how it's been rebooted. Uh, and we get all that. Colson's not a sir anymore. No, no, he didn't go that far. He just lost his lost his rank as director. HQ is calling them back. They're at the beck and call. And Pete, it was around this point that kind of the light bulb went off. Something that I know was given to us in the season finale, but it's like, oh, Agent Colson is just Agent Colson again. It's the way things used to be. It is, but obviously, and and I I joked with Matt as we were live tweeting the episode. Um, it, it was like thing happens, recap dialogue, thing happens, recap dialogue. And, you know, there's a lot of masters that a series return episode to start a season has to do, especially one that took a six month leap forward, as did the final moments of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season three. There's a reason that this show has continued to resonate with audiences, and it's because they're constantly moving the story forward. You can quibble, perhaps it's not as uh, as contemporary, say, as some of the other shows, uh, Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage coming to mind, talking about contemporary issues. This show doesn't do that quite as much, but you're getting bang for your buck, you're getting story racing forward, and that's what a lot of this episode is about, particularly this first act to see where all the pieces have fallen uh we we hear that colson and mac are going to be glad to see fitz and simmons again and may well colson's looking forward to may maybe a little bit less than mac again it's all dialogue servicing where are all our characters uh may is in the middle of a takedown uh with a group of recruits uh watching on then asks what his mistake was. As that's happening, the door opens from above. There's light and the Zephyr One lands. Uh, an agent or a recruit, we don't quite know, named Piper, then uh, asks everybody else, what, you've never seen the biggest plane ever built before? Um, and again, that exposition beyond an event um, we, we are talking about how long it's been. It's, there's been six, six weeks since they've been together. Our characters here may called them in. Uh, they've had a report in LA of an enhanced person. There were injuries that went along to match 
obviously with Daisy's inhuman profile. Um, the police have uh, a guy in critical condition. He saw a girl and we get the name used again, Quake. But the director, not director Colson, says they can't follow up. The world knows her as Quake. She takes down banks and bridges, Matt. By the way, Pete, reference uh, was made in the episode as as you recapped how uh, Zephyr One has been in the air for six weeks. I want to point out they've been in the air nonstop for six weeks. They say, hey, that must be some kind of record. Pete, I couldn't help think about how the old uh, SS Fantastic Geek has been uh, coming here week after week. I dare say, without having done any uh, particular math, we're easily over 100 weeks nonstop week after week. So, hey, Zephyr One, give us a call when you get up to those heights. Matt, nonetheless, there are mentions of watchdogs. You, you remember the watchdogs, right? Those, those bad guys that were fairly nondescript racist people uh, against inhumans. Um, the guy in the hospital we then uh, flipped to, and uh, Quake shows up. She has questions um, for who was hunting him. Uh, but he is uh, pretty fatalist in his view here. It's too late for him. He says, when the rider burns you, he burns your soul and a soul can never heal. He says he's got a huge bandage across his uh, abdomen. It's bleeding. He falls over and then bleeds out to end our act. Pete, this is how fast this story moves. He jumps off the gurney and then bleeds to death, just like that. The story doesn't have time for things like medical diagnoses. It's just he's bleeding somewhat, and it looks quite serious. And you know where else, Matt, people are moving quickly, nay, dying to get to. That would be patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word where you can find a plethora of incentives and ways to help us give you what we give you on a weekly basis. Your generous help towards our uh, bandwidth and storage costs, it has revved us up much like the uh, revving of an engine of a 1969 charger. So thank you one and all for your help and uh, thank you newbies for taking a peek. As Act 2 begins, we've got Simmons all alone in a lab-type setting, uh, questioning hello. She hears her uh, voice uh, echo back. However, her feet are off the ground, and then Fitz's voiceover helps us to understand this is not a live situation, some sort of virtual reality headset off she is revealed to be in an actual lab and uh there's some catching up between the two of them as colson and mac join them as well it's nice in this scene to see old shield hq stocked heavy with extras certainly a sign that uh, shield has pulled back from the shadows and uh you know is now now being run close to the uh the full speed that it had oh before hydra and all that uh as you mentioned pete colson and max stop by to say hi to fitzsimmons they give some exposition 
about the director being extra visual, vigilant with this version of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it's all very hush-hush and on the QT and all of that. And of course, Coulson and Mac leave with an exploding pen and brand new hand in tow. Pete, this is a reminder that it's a fractured team now. Well, we're leaving out that uh, Fitz has been promoted. Indeed, there, there are all those lovely acronyms that he he and he alone seems to have discovered the, uh, the, the kind of subversive acronyms with which one might, uh, one might knock down the opposition. But Pete, certainly uh, no one would ever call old Leopold Fitz a wimp. Absolutely not. Uh, the hand that Coulson is uh, furnished with, well, that's classified. Um, but uh, Simmons explains here that uh, better than friends they will never see again um, are uh, still out and about in the real world. We're, of course, referring to uh, Daisy. Pete, cut to said Daisy in disguise. That worked out well. Leaving a, a, a stack of fat Benjamins for housekeeping, Pete. That's for the uninitiated, a clue that she might be labeled a baddie, but she's actually a goodie. Uh, and then the story quickly moves because, Pete, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're cutting quick, quick cuts here. Parallel storylines, etc. Cut to the rider where we can't see his face. Darn you, TV, for your placing of things in order to keep actors' faces in the mystery. Um, turns out, Pete, he's not always the rider. If the goon doesn't speak up, the rider's going to bring the other guy out. Which I was like, oh yeah, that was the thing with the Ghost Rider movie. I had completely forgotten about that. Or the Hulk, even. The other guy. Um, don't You're not going to tell me. You're going to tell him that idea there uh, when it comes to kind of this other personality. And later it's referenced, you know, oh, you have the devil inside you too. Kind of a, a, a spiritual aspect, whereas... You know, we've we've looked before as, uh, you know, these these powers, obviously, through an extraterrestrial lens. Pete, the story's been going back and forth, back and forth, almost like a child's toy. And with that, we cut to Yo-Yo arriving at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. She's screened. That's the story's way of telling us she's clearly part of the team. And then, Pete, the scene turns gosh darn sizzling with Mac. My my TV started to smoke and my heart started <laughs> to go pitter-patter. Because, Pete, when lust meets love with two smart and intelligent people, that's Yo-Yo and Mac. And it was almost too hot to handle. I turned away for a little bit. I got a note from my mom to make sure I could still watch it. Pete, <laughs> yowza. Yeah, the uh, the third guy from Zephyr One, who's uh, named here as Davis, tells them they have an asset inbound. And uh, that kind of language after being checked in, being activated, is uh, danced around in this really charming scene between um, Henry Simmons and the returning Natalia Cordova Buckley here. Yeah, they just, uh, clearly the writers saw more potential for for Mac and Yo-Yo beyond the kind of initial sizzle that we got last season. And they went for it, and the actors are going for it. I love here, too, how Natalia Cordova Buckley is bringing more strength to Yo-Yo. 
she's not kind of this this hidden power anymore. She's a little bit more confident, a little bit more playful. Just a wonderful added layer there. Yeah, there's a a polish. There's a seasoning that's come with her powers here and and being in this world we know for you know a little bit more than than six months uh her english is much better their rapport has certainly improved and and the playfulness the talk about rules she's somebody and it foreshadows the interaction she's going to have with daisy a little bit rules not so important whereas um mac is quoting the rules not allowed to fraternize with an asset in the field uh but she pals around a little bit with colson too good to see him as well um and she ends this a little bit the idea they might go to dinner just because they work together doesn't mean they can't live a little oh ay ay Meanwhile, at stately Radcliffe Manor, Fitz arrives with Ben Deary beer in hand and finds a naked, glitchy Ada, you know, as one does. It is, you know, at least as the hour goes, about 10.15, Matt, so we can go there. Um, Marvel TV can go there at this point. And I find it a little hard to believe that given his new situation, this is exactly new for uh fits the idea of, of seeing a, a young lady who's not wearing anything in an apartment but uh i'm i'm sure they'll flesh out the situation with with simmons a little later pete i think that it's, he, he he's not used to seeing it in other people's apartments what are you gonna do um but he wasn't meant to see this anyway so fits meets ada here and uh we end our second act. After the act break, we're back with Fitz uh, talking to Radcliffe. He's taking Radcliffe to task, having, uh, you know, made that robot naked lady and all that. Uh, really nice job for most of the scene, having the Ada actress stand completely still. Um, a little bit towards the, the, the end point of when she's supposed to be frozen you can see the actress moving a little bit but it's it's a nice job there we also get some speedy exposition about radcliffe having been pardoned he's not able to do experiments with sex bots without oversight yeah the uh strict restrictions here that it's pointed to again letting us know where the character's been and now what he's up to Obviously, with the way they left that in the tag at the end of season three, we knew this was coming, but a disembodied voice and a shadow and now an actual female robot, big difference, as uh, Fitz will tell you. I was just uh, wanted to put forth the theory here, Pete, that maybe we're working on a long-term Austin Powers uh, joke here. <laughs> I wonder if she has any machine guns stored away. Time will tell. Well, at least Fitz gets to see how this works. Meanwhile, Quake boards an orange line bus. Yo-Yo is on it, and they talk. Uh, they are watching Yo-Yo's every move. Again, referencing these Sokovia chords. She's playing nice by them, but they can't see everything can they nope in fact great little line there about how yo-yo is uh, she's giving tips faster than shield can monitor by the way pete talked about the boss man did you see who was at the end of the bus behind the two of them 
I did not. Pete, resplendent in cool guy shades, was none other than Mr. Karate himself, your co-executive producer, co-showrunner, Jed Whedon. I did not notice that. I will have to go back and watch. But uh, I was so into the the rapport and the, the kind of spy versus spy helping out spy thing that was going on here. Um, Daisy Quake on the loose and the repeated emphasis that uh, she's moving too fast. She's doing too much that you can use your powers too much after um, Yo-Yo gives um, Quake a piece of uh, shield intel here. Um, we're told it's not just the watchdogs, it's gangs now. So there's a far bigger um, perhaps conspiracy or group of people out uh, against the Inhumans. But uh, Daisy points out she's no longer got any roots in LA. And as we told as many as three times in this episode, Matt, you know, to state theme, everyone gets attached to something. Back the story goes to Simmons and May, and there's there's some explanation of the color system that Shield now uses, uh, kind of a, a hierarchy that isn't meant to offend. Pete, just want to point out here. Here's my takeaway from this scene. Okay, level seven, no good. It's out. What's replaced it? This color system. There's there's your reds, your oranges. Pete, you know what's at the top of the pile? It's gotta be Fantastic Geek Green. It is the spectrum of security, as it has become known, as Simmons explains. Um, May points out she feels less than. However, um, you know, the reported death that's gone on here in this L.A. hospital, they've got a suspect who is an Asian female, and uh, we need to find Daisy and find her quickly. It's also a nice little um, beginning of a story thread that gets picked up a little bit later. This notion that Simmons seems to outrank May most of the time. We kind of see this as a change in the natural order of things. And Pete, it was around this time that I was starting to realize, oh my goodness, mom and dad, May and Colson, they're no longer number one and number two. In, in this hierarchy here, the kids are growing up, mom and dad, you know, a lot less powerful than they used to seem. I don't know how much of that is kind of meant to be in the story there, but uh, clearly it's meant to, to hurt a little bit to see director Colson and the mighty Melinda May kind of just reduced to middle management type uh, or, or middle agent type, uh, type statuses in uh, the new shield. Relegated, really. And about this time, Quake is talking up uh, a graffiti guy with the Ghost Rider wall there. Um, and we get it again, Matt. Everyone gets attached to something. What? Uh, it, as you said, uh, Pete, it certainly is, a, uh, certainly is a repeated theme in the episode. Uh, there's also, Pete, the warning. There's a Ghost Rider out there. He may have hit again. Uh, Love the uh, love the uh, 
the spray paint art there pete i know that, that you uh in the past you've been deeply ensconced with uh, the old tagging culture how did you like the uh the artwork on the side of the building there it was good it was good i'd i'd love to know uh who did it for the show colson and uh mac run down a lead here though at a warehouse um there's a big rig they wind up ultimately searching colson uses that classified hand to scan it mac cries no fair um and colson of course points out that uh you know if you wanted something like this you want a tech like this you should have cut off your own hand um but what they're able to find are a bunch of guys uh unconscious if not dead in the rig and uh suddenly we're with uh Robbie Reyes and uh he's back in his uh his trailer there his office telling one of his victims there was no buyer gets in the car the uh the victim or soon to be victim yells no and he rather cavalierly says everyone says that before he drives forward to finish that third act just want to point out pete i am pretty sure that as colson and mac roll up to that warehouse there's uh there's a mysterious man just leaving um i believe that that is uh is robbie reyes himself a little bit of the the two ships crossing in the night um but uh as you said pete the the victim then pancaked welcome to 10 p.m Matt Act 4 here, and we find out that chargers are hard to find. Uh, but not so hard, Pete, that, that uh, Daisy can't get uh, given a tip about a scrap yard where some such these such might be found. Insert racing culture, fast and furious, <laughs> rev, rev, you know, oil slick stuff. And uh, with that, we're off to the races. Well, there's a little BS with the guy about her BF having wrecked his charger. And uh, she gets the location of a place that uh, she might find some scraps. Simmons and May have a conversation here. Um, the disclosure is that Daisy is in L.A. May thinks that the director, the new director, of course, broke up the band on purpose. Simmons admits she's doing everything she can to try to get power to control everything after all they've been through, Matt. After all they've been through. Love this scene. Simmons dropping the truth bomb. Of course the band was broken up. And hello, it's Simmons who's risen to the top to try and keep the secret band bound together. Pete, we have Simmons elevated. It, it it's a wonderful use of the character to shine a spotlight on her skills in a new way, not make her defined as part of the weird, wonderful Fitzsimmons pairing, not make her somebody who is looking for love either on, you know, ancient alien planet or standing right in front of her, just a woman on her own, professional, capable. And it's like, oh, she can do that too. Just a wonderful character moment. And a little bit of, you know, the daughter has grown up and tells mom, mom, I can do this now. Uh, just uh, in an episode that had so much exposition, move the story forward, update people, keep things going, set things up. This was just Simmons on her own. Wonderful, wonderful moment. So in four seasons now, you think how differently she's 
the character has been cast. You know, there's there's Stasis uh, Simmons when we first met her, you know, and, and her wonderful science self. There's season two might be a mole in Hydra Simmons when we first caught up with her. There's season three gets, uh, you know, glimpsed for the first time on uh, Mavith. And now there's season four, you know, large and in charge Simmons. The director trusts her. She's sending May to L.A. there. Yes, ma'am. Ooh. Back to Radcliffe and Fitz, because, Pete, if you have two women in a professional environment, yes, they're they're working through some personal disagreement here and whatnot, but it's two women smartly in the workplace, getting the job done, working hard, you know, juggling so many balls. What do we have with their counterparts in many ways? Radcliffe and Fitz, they're standing around Radcliffe's apartment talking about the naked lady. Pete, yeah. is that not the state of the world today? Uh, it's certainly a contrast. Um, Fitz points out here that this could go bad, like Ultron bad, uh, again, over those beers. But Ada, uh, who calls him Leopold, asks, where's Gemma? So clearly the ability of this uh, robotic female um, to interact with humans and everything that's going on there is an interesting wrinkle into this complex story. Um, Ada points out that uh, they have lost friends, Lincoln Campbell, Andrew Garner, Antoine Triplett. Now, oh, that one cut trip, the deepest. That what, uh, there's a reason that one came last. Sorry if my voice breaks, but she's a safeguard, Matt, a shield. Hmm. So as I tweeted when this line uh, popped up last night, so wait a minute. Ada is a way to save or bring back lost friends? Hmm. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, I take a little exception with the pacing of this scene in an episode that otherwise zoomed along. Ada now can reveal herself and her purpose. Her design purpose? Let's draw it out. There's the fallen friends. That, that part was pretty good. Then it's revealed. She's going to be. And I'm sitting here going, come on, let's get to the, the darn reveal already. It's great that she wants to be the shield. You know, what we have here is a, you know, Chekhov's naked robot lady in the... <laughs> You know, like it, it's countdown is that to a thing? <laughs> <laughs> there is now. Um, but I mean, it, it's now it's now kind of countdown to we like Ada just well enough until Johnny five get crushed, save human, you know, or is it as you're saying, Pete, that now she can she can bring them back in some form or another, uh, as you've been predicting since uh, since the season three finale and some sort of uh, backdoor ward action. No pun intended. Welcome to 10 p.m. Um, again, I just take a little exception with the notion that, like, my purpose is to help, you know, is, is to be your shield and prevent fallen friends from being fallen. Now start the timer until she does just that. And then, Matt, back to the city of angels. And uh, we have an Asian 
gang and some Asian gang stuff with a box that has power that can bring people to their knees. Pete, it is such interesting, engrossing television. Even Colson wants to watch it on TV. Colson, Mac, they see those goons converging what with their special spy TV camera thing, but Colson wants to just watch, let it all play out. No reason to call for backup. Quake, meanwhile, is meeting Robbie for the first time, tells him that she's looking for a guy with a sweet black 69 charger. Um, yeah, come on back here. It's not really an office. It's more of a trailer. Show you around. Okay. Uh, the uh, gentleman from before opens up that box, and there is an odd mist that pours out of it. What What was that? Psst, a breath of fresh air. Enchantress. Pete, is this the great, the great reckoning in which the Detective Comics DC and the Timely Comics Marvel come together in one with, with ghost, ghostly visages coming together to fight our heroes or to be anti-heroes? I don't even know anymore. Is Will Smith coming to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, not anytime oh. soon. Nowhere is Ghost Dad because, yeah, uh, Bill Cosby's in some trouble. However, uh, Quake and uh, Robbie get into it. She is suddenly uh, quaking him. Uh, he then asks, uh, or rather points out, so you've got the devil inside you too. And then Matt, hashtag rebar flame sword. Wow. Uh, totally true as his fire saber lights up and uh, j just has the one, not the three, like that movie from last last Christmas time. But uh, they start to fight and Pete, just as they're about to hit, it's a perfect time for an act break to sell us, you know, dishwasher soap and stuff. Hashtag rebar flame sword. Back we go after the break to the warehouse where the gents are shooting up each other. Uh, the, the, the ghostly visage and Chatress, uh, seems to be having some sort of effect on, on their perception or their, their, their mind. Uh, Mac calls for backup and Pete speak of the devil and she shall appear. May suddenly appears with her new crew. It looks like she was, uh, in tow a little bit more than, uh, than Colson and Mac thought. Pete, they clear the room ASAP using some of that hot tech that heads up display, Glasses, mumbo-jumbo, somebody online, maybe J.J. Nato, said, look, they're using the Google Glass. <laughs> yes, a, uh, a begoogled, begoggled uh, May efficiently bails out Colson and Mac. I believe it was with Icers. The ghost passes right behind her. Enchantress. Uh, Robbie then tells Quake that uh, she shouldn't have gotten involved. Um, he's killed a detective, she points out, though. Oh, but he had blood on his hands. A teacher? He's got a response for that, too. I, I apologize. I didn't get it. Um, that uh, you don't get to decide who lives and who dies. And Robbie explains he's not the one who decides. As he transforms Matt and Mark Kolpak this genius of FX on a TV budget on TV turnaround times with arguably, if not definitively a better special effect 
than the actual Ghost Rider feature films with the face burning off and into the flaming skull of the ghost, the Ghost Rider. Fantastic reveal there, effects-wise. Also, the angular way in which they have the skull uh it's stylized it's it's a little bit of a uh of a leap i really really like it obviously i had seen a little bit of it uh in the promo stuff um, or the poster i mean come on (laughs) pete listen i try and avert my eyes but but to see it happen you knew and 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 you knew a couple seconds out it was coming and to see it happen this is Obviously, they learned a lot from what they did with Hive at the uh, the end of season three, and they doubled down here, Matt. Oh yeah, let's add flames. Pete, everything is always better with a little bit more fire. Back the story goes to the junkyard. Daisy seems to be winning, though it's vengeance, Chica. And uh, Pete, it's just it, it's just a wonderful rainbow of 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 all kinds of humanity using superpowers to have an action adventure story time show. Welcome back agents of shield. We'll put in a prone position there. Uh, she tells uh, ghost rider do it. I deserve it, but he holds off there. There's, there's some kind of connection Matt has been made. Uh, Zephyr one is in transit. Um, we, we, we then, transition into this montage uh where we've got uh, guys with watchdog tattoos on zephyr one unconscious we've got uh fitz and simmons in bed oh my yeah we've got ada in the closet we've got uh yo-yo we've got uh ghost rider uh on her phone there um, we've got Robbie on the street and here's where we, uh, end up. Um, he heads over to a car, opens the trunk, takes a wheelchair out. It's, uh, fear the walking dead, uh, child there playing his brother on the show. And they have a little banter. Um, quake sees all of this. And again, everybody's attached to something as we end the body of our show. Pete, two thoughts there from that reveal about uh, uh, about Ghost Rider. First of all, uh, the this whole introduction of Robbie Reyes and the brother in the wheelchair straight out of the uh, straight out of the comics. I want to say about two years ago. I'm on I'm on the Marvel website right now. Apparently they don't sync up what you read on the app to other places, but I digress. Um, so, I mean, just right out of the comic. Really, really nice there. Second, so nice to see that young man from Fear of the Walking Dead. I enjoyed him in the first uh, the first uh, season of Fear of the Walking Dead, and then I saw him in the second half of the... <laughs> or in the first half of the second season of Fear of the Walking Dead, and then he has not been on my TV since. Um, so it's nice to see, I don't know if he got killed off. I don't, I don't know how to read that, but, uh, certainly a, a nice young man working on the Marvels. Well, all I can tell you is that, uh, Robbie Reyes better watch out because this young man in the wheelchair has spent some time in LA being chased by the dead. 
with that, we have an act break, and afterwards, Colson is on the plane. He's playing backgammon with May. She's tipping him off that Colson is going to be in the doghouse with that director. All they have to do, Pete, is maybe cast him, and then they could be less vague. Um, because I'm sure this episode was shot before Jason O'Mara was was cast. Colson, though, he's just enjoying the quiet conversation, Pete. It's a it's a nice happy ending to the episode, or is it? Yeah, uh, the the ominous tones here, the idea of analyzing the box. Uh, May is very distant for a moment here. Um, but hey, you know, take advantage of that downtime. Who knows what tomorrow holds? We also see uh, May seeing the ghost DK in Coulson's face. Pete, oh man, I'm glad we have a theory segment coming up. Is she infected? Is 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 Enchantress inhabiting the body of Melinda May? Were they dead all along? Did they die in the first plane crash? Pete, mysteries abound this season on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The Dossier A detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. None badder? or maybe with more of a heart of gold, not sure, than the Ghost Rider, Robbie Reyes. It's a really nice introduction to the character. I like that we get uh, the well-rounded villain, which, you know, I mean, that, hasn't that always been the case with Ghost Rider? It's, it's, it's a guy that you can sympathize with on some level. But the notion that he is driven by by this uh, this force inside him, the notion that he's kind of trying to do good while you know still doing evil and uh most of all that there could be kind of a religious take on it is a really interesting way to 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 get at this character and to get at this world of powers you know we've seen the science end we've seen the extraterrestrial end now now we're looking a bit more a bit more personally with a religious point of view possibly we pointed out the uh, in, enchantress similarities, what with Suicide Squad this summer and the, the ghost here. But Matt, maybe more overt is the flaming, reluctant Hispanic anti-hero? Pete, I don't know to what degree uh, the powers that be at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel TV saw Suicide Squad a coming and saw the character of El Diablo and said, hey, that, that's maybe what the cool kids are like in these days. What does Marvel have that's similar? And, and saw that they had the Robbie Reyes version of Ghost Rider already as, as a wholly created character. Um, but regardless of kind of the, uh, you know, behind the scenes, Hollywood talkity talk talk origin of this character, on TV, the fact that they were able to, uh, I mean, just take this turn, take this left turn with the show where, as we discussed in the preview episode last week, we're kind of in a magic, mystical place where the show has not been before. And this show thrives by by staying ahead of the curve and by keeping things interesting. So you have a Hispanic ghost rider with a car connection Let's do that. That's different enough where it's not going to make us think of, you know, the Nick Cage movies, which probably is also part of the uh, part of the job here. Not to think of those awful, awful movies. <laughs> it It is a job, Matt. Um, also in our dossier here in, in nondescript tones, we've got Watch Dogs 
by their tattoos there at the end. We've we've got uh, Aryan Brotherhood gangs um, as as far as threats again present, but not so much defined. Hey, I'm all for let, let, let's ratchet that up just a tiny little bit. Have to have to wonder if somebody in the writers' room said, "Hey, so this nondescript." Uh, let's get back to basics, get back to the way it used to be, watchdog group. What if we upped the ante and just said, hey, they're also kind of connected to white supremacy. Pete, what fiction, what folly we have on this yeah, show with yeah. Flamehead and Power Push Lady and jets that stay in the sky and X-ray hand. It's all just part of the, the cornucopia of silliness. It is. Uh, lastly, not silly, um, but certainly not known at this point, whatever ghost lady has been unleashed that uh, is seen behind May and then seen by May as she was uh, with Coulson at the end. I think that the best takeaway from that is that the show is uh, addressing early on uh, a sin that it is guilty of in previous seasons, which is there's all this great story stuff. And then we have May do, what is it again? Whether she is ghost infected or whatever the storyline is there, it's something for the character to do. And the show occasionally forgets to give her stuff other than go, 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 machine gun, machine gun, machine gun, kick butt. For her to have her own little arc here of whatever the spooks, specters, and ghosts are, Pete. Pete, I think that she can bust the ghosts. I am for Lady Ghostbusters, and I'm glad that Melinda May is 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 just, you know, busting will make her feel good. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, let's begin at the beginning, which might be the middle, definitely not the end. Still no gap filled in as far as time what's happened in these six months sure there's hints but we're missing half a year i think that the show might be making the the interesting gambit no pun intended to how do i put this i I, I think that they might just be saying we're not going to fill that in unless we have to there's probably here's how the argument i think went in the, in the writer's room there's probably a whole bunch of like, oh, you mean I'm busted back to agent now? That's not fun. There's a lot of those types of, of, of scenes that maybe they just said, we're skipping over the whole thing entirely. Boom. We can throw you some expositional catch up along the way, but we don't need to circle back. I mean, it certainly opens the opportunity a la the Mavith episode last year when we saw the the... 1400 hours can't quite remember off the top of my head what the title of the simmons alone not alone on the planet she was uh brought to episode last year you could certainly do that as a choice and for all we know they may at some point but um I was surprised we didn't get more of what had gone on. Yeah, there's the the director stuff. Yes, we know that Coulson is an agent again. Yeah, we're referencing the Sokovia Accords and everything that, that's gone on there and the continued fallout. The watchdogs are still in play. There's other groups like that. Um, but I thought it interesting we not get more of 
at least some breadcrumbs towards Daisy's turn into Quake um, and, and really the, that larger threat at this point. I mean, there certainly is the opportunity for them to do uh, flashbacks as the story requires. Um, and maybe that's that's part of the plan that's baked in from day one. But just using this episode as uh, as a jumping off point, I get the feeling that, that they're just looking forward. They're looking for it to, you know, to, to eat up the story that's ahead and not necessarily circle back. But uh, Pete, as with all things, time will tell. We have 21 more episodes this season. Matt, what is up with this ghost? This was clearly a different effect. They did double take when that smoke came out. Wait, are we doing the Terrigen Mist thing? No. Uh, they they got it uh, in their eyes. They breathed it in. This, this breath of fresh air, it spoke. Um, and now May is apparently seeing it. What's going on there? Pete, I have no idea, and that's part of what I like so much. If you, dear listener, are, uh, are are catching the comic reference that they're doing or something like that, please do be in touch. Let us know. But while I got the Robbie Reyes brother handicapped uh, aspect from from my my limited experience with Ghost Rider in the comics, I have no idea who this is. Uh, I mean, clearly we're headed to some sort of. Uh, you know, something that Ghost Rider can can deal with on on the ghostly realm and all of that, but totally out of left field. I could not believe what I was seeing, and uh, I mean, this is this is a good mystery for us to chew on. This first half of the season, usually Agents of Shield does that first half, second half thing. So uh, maybe between now and the holidays, Pete will find out. Transmissions. Let's check the wire, Matt. Absolutely, Pete. First up, a tweet from the aforementioned J.J. Nato. He says, hell, even Ghost Rider, maybe the most conflicted Marvel uh, hero, looks like he's having fun in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He does, Pete. There's a there's a dark uh, enjoyment, definitely, to what he does. There's a conflicted nature as well. You know, uh, you get the devil inside you, uh, you know, I don't decide somebody else decides. So there, there's that tortured aspect to it, but you know, there's, there's a level of enjoyment that, uh, Gabriel Luna is bringing to it that we as viewers and fans, I think pick up on. Pete, next is a tweet from ZP International. Loved the premiere. Weird that Robbie is almost as bad as Ghost Rider. He followed a gang before changing and attacked Quake. Then he asks Pete, why didn't Ghost Rider speak at all? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not quite sure there. <laughs> Maybe they're saving the special effects money for another episode where they can then do, like, the moving jaw. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Pete, also a tweet in response to uh, a story that we first broke a couple of years ago. I had tweeted out during the episode, glad to see Benjamin Deary's beer is still on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, you will recall that uh, Benjamin Deary is a friend to uh, Nick Blood, formerly tier of uh, agents of shield and somehow this joke had gotten in there of ben deary beer so i had tweeted that and uh, mr deary responded amazed that this still happens hasn't gotten any less surreal pete does it get much better than your name on a beer on the tv 
Probably not. I mean, I could I could think of uh, a couple other honors. I'm not going to go into them here, but uh, that that's pretty special, and obviously it, it means a lot to one uh, Benjamin Deary. Pete, next up, an email from Will Quinones, who, Pete, he is a true S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Let's do the math here. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. He rewatches the episode, then takes the time to email at 12:19 a.m. So uh, th- this is this 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 is a fan here. Will says had to rewatch the episode so hard to live tweet and follow every detail. <laughs> I love the whole new dynamic with Shield back in the public eye now that Hydra is gone. I'm confident more heads will grow. I get why Coulson can't be director and love the idea of breaking up the team. And a whole new modus operandi. Working in a corporate environment, it always happens with the new head honcho. Ain't that true, Pete? Oh, the new director has a new <laughs> color code thing, which is like the old color, the old number thing, except now it's colors and it's different. Wink. Yeah. Uh, Will goes on to say the later time slot gives more boundaries to push in ways only Marvel can come up with. It feels like uh, a whole new show almost. It should be a very interesting season. The show already did the Distant Planet take better than Fantastic Four. It's tackling the inhuman social issues on par or better uh, than X-Men. Remade Ghost Rider into the badass he deserves to be. And is even facing off with Ex Machina in the AI realm. This show just keeps finding new ways to keep us on our toes. Daisy's undies and Elena's innuendo-laden dialogue with Mac are a nice subtle touch as well. Very impressed with the first episode and interested to see this weird uh, ghost uh, ghost gas with the girl from The Ring, <laughs> which is uh, uh, a good funny there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait for the podcast, boys. Happy Shield Day. So happy Shield Day to you, Will. Absolutely, Will. Thank you so much. And clearly with the commitment of watching it again and, and then the, uh, the comments there picking up on all of that. Love the, uh, the reference there to, uh, Ringu as, uh, <laughs> Japanese horror fans, uh, know it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to sink your teeth into in this episode. I, I hope this podcast has, has lived up to what that email was, was hoping for. Pete, the last email from from a, a special listener, the wind beneath our wings in so many ways. An email here from Donna Rosato who says, wow, what a great start to the season. The effects were amazing. I was kind of disappointed that we didn't see the director in this episode. I was really looking forward to seeing Jason O'Mara tonight. Wondering how much time has passed between Civil War and this episode. So Pete, let's do the math here. It's about... Six months plus more time. How much time has gone since the season finale? Jump forward. Since in in real time plus a jump forward, or well, you know, we had the season finale where they jump forward six months. I would imagine what's happened here on our screen takes place over a couple of days concurrently. So a couple of days after the six months later. Unless we're, and I could see where that's an impression as well, where Coulson and Mac running down Quake in the season finale happens chronologically after what we've seen, that they're building towards that. I don't think they are. I I think that's already happened. 
Yeah, I had wondered if they were headed to that, particularly when they were headed to L.A. Right. I think that what we saw in the season finale has already occurred. Correct. And, and there have been a number of Daisy, uh, you know, attempts to kind of cross paths with her. So I'll throw out a number here, Pete. Maybe worth. It's been three months or so since the season finale. So I'll say we had the six month jump plus another nine months. Um, just as a just as a rough a rough estimate there. I hope no one uh, suddenly has a baby. <laughs> Such as? Well, it's been nine months, Matt. Oh. I don't need to explain things to you. No, no, you don't. This might be a 10 p.m. show now, but no, I still understand those particulars. Well, Pete, big thank you to everybody who reached out. And uh, Pete, of all the ways to reach out, what's, what's the best way? Well, the most immediate would be on Twitter. And Pete, how can people be in touch with you on the Twitter machine? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,352 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can, of course, always be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways where we are a fantastic geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. We are under that name on the .com, the Gmail, the Twitter, the Instagram. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek. All one word with the PH there. Like it and you will be a part of everything we do between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., between the rapidly uh, bearing down on us, Luke Cage on Netflix, between uh, a little bit of Iron Fist uh, in the works there. Ain't that right, Matt? Absolutely. It's all Marvel, plus we've added, uh, if you haven't heard over the summer, you know, I, I know some people, you have to do the, here's what we did all summer that wasn't podcasting. Oh no, this past summer, we added Star Trek to the list, looking forward towards Star Trek Discovery, now happening next May, so that'll be a nice transition. But uh, if, it, if it's Marvel, if it's Star Trek, if it's other geeky goodness, we're, uh, we're most likely talking about it on the podcast. Fantastic geek, we're the way to go. Well, Pete, just want to say before we start to officially wrap things up here, thank you, dear listeners. This is the 67th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you for sticking with us so long as we kick off Season 4 here. And, of course, we'll be back next week to keep it going. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Everybody's attached to something.